to the Bright Light Kryptonite Podcast. As this week we discussed week four of the NFL season, a few changes we made, you know, as a as a group are starting all our podcast. Uh, we made a, good, a couple good changes, a new name. We added a fourth member to our group after uh, joining us last week for the first time. Ty, we decided to bring him in and make us a, a four-man group. Uh, so we thought it would make this podcast even better with more information from uh, another individual. So this week we'll get started off um, with our top performers of the week. Uh, Wayne, I'll let you start. It was a good good, uh, good week of football. Uh, we had the Steeler, um, Steeler, game, Steeler or Titan game postponed. Um, but you know, luckily the NFL got it worked out to another week. So we had a good week of football this week. And Wayne, go ahead and start with your top performer. Uh, you know what? Last week you were talking about top performers, and you mentioned a defensive player, Josh. Now you know what? I decided I'm I'm going to go that route this week. Miles Garrett for the Cleveland Browns. The man uh, had a uh, what was it? All right, all right. He had uh, two sacks and a forced fumble, and that's the third week in a row he had uh, a sack and a fumble, a forced fumble, and. He's right now. He's at the the league with five sacks on the season. Man, has been great for Cleveland. You know they needed something on defensive side, and it's better than ripping people's helmets off. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I like to I like to to pick defense and mix it up. We always want to pick offensive guys, but the defensive guys play good and cause disruption. Uh, Ty, who is your uh, top performer this week? Um, so depending on like what everybody else picked, I had ones. Um. I'm going to give you two just because I don't want to be a homer with one of them as a Carolina fan. But one, Carolina secondary, uh, shutting down DeAndre Hopkins uh, was a big deal, uh, held him to 45 yards, I believe. Uh, so that was my first one. But other than that, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Joey Burrow, uh, 25 of 36, 300 yards and a touchdown, and got the dub for Cincinnati, first career win. Congrats, Joey B. All right. John, who you got? Well, I, I, I'm not exactly going to go homer. I'm assuming that Josh is going to go homer. So uh, I'm going to go my secondary homer, which is Tom motherfucking Brady. And that is 369 yards, five touchdowns, ladies and gentlemen, one interception. And I know for Wayne, a uh, 10-point lead is like, oh, my God, what are they going to do? But for Tom Brady, uh, it's nothing. He, and they put up 24 points in the second half to go ahead and win that game. Great comeback. But Tom Brady lit it up. Five touchdowns, gentlemen. What you got, Josh? I I didn't go homer this week. I went with Joe Mixon for the Bengals. Uh, he had 25 carries for 151 yards, two touchdowns, with six receptions for 30 yards, another touchdown. Uh, you know, with Ty's pick um, with Burrow, that, that team just performed really well all the way around in offense against uh, a Bengals team that struggles on defense from time. So I got Joe Mixon this week. Uh, so next we'll talk about uh, poor performer of the week. Um, John, who was your poor performer this week? Well, uh, I, I know my boy Wayne. He loves to knock him. Uh, but I got to go with Nick Foles. They should have won that game against the Colts. I know you guys are big on the Colts. But Nick Foles threw for 249, one touchdown, one interception. And uh, Wayne loves to say Nick Foles is great coming off the bench. But if you look at that playoff year, he started every game through the playoffs and they won the damn Super Bowl in a, in a shootout against my boy Tom Brady. He started all those games. 
Um, and I'm just really – that's just a really heartfelt disappointment, and that's why I'm throwing him under the bus for my worst performer. I do want to also mention uh, the fact that this show is called uh, Bright Light Kryptonite, and I'm going to have to throw that kryptonite on Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan threw for 285, no touchdowns against the Green Bay Packers, and uh, the Packers were just in control of that game the entire game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers laughing the game. He had a great time, and they and they killed him. Even the game wasn't even as close as the score showed. But uh, that's my worst performers. What you got, Wayne? I'm going with Sam Darnold, only because he lost his job to Joe Flacco. <laughs> <laughs> he was horrible. I could sit there and I could go with all the stats, and we all know stats, and I'm I'm looking at them right now, obviously. But he lost his job to Joe Flacco. Okay, that's it. <laughs> All right, so I want to I want to piggyback on that. He didn't lose his job. I'm not saying he shouldn't have lost his job, but he got he got knocked out of the game and then went back into the game. Uh, but he hasn't performed good, so he probably might need to be replaced. He's getting Flacco starting. I you, you want me to go, Josh? Uh, All right, Ty. My worst performer of yeah, the week ahead, is Zeke Elliott from the Dallas Cowboys. Let Zeke, yeah, yeah he, he had a damn appetizer, 54 yards on the day. Woo, go get him, Zeke. That Dallas was trying to get in a shootout, and they lost again. Um, so, my worst performer was Zeke, 12 rushes, 54 yards, garbage. Hey, uh, John, I want to um, bounce off what you were saying. You know, talking about bright light, kryptonite, Matt Ryan. How about the bright light superstar, A-Rod, you know, 327 yards, four touchdowns, flexing on Monday Night Football. He didn't fold under the bright lights, did he? That's right. Got to give him props. I don't – but, you know, I mean, when you perform under the bright lights, man, I give you all the props. All right, for me yeah, this week, uh, I'm going with the Patriot quarterbacks. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. You know, I, I thought the Patriots could be able to a good game plan, and they tried to small ball it with Hoyer, you know, quick small passes, and they got the position to get – uh, two field goals, and the quarterback just made dumb decisions to hold the football. Once he once he was sacked, to run the clock out of the first half, which could have tied the ball game up. Um, and then uh, again, the second half, they were driving the score, and he gets uh, strip sacked and fumbles the ball away. If they had any kind of quarterback play, I, I, they could have had a chance to win that ball game. I'm not saying they were going to win. But uh, they got put in position the whole first half and midway to the third, they could have took control of that game. And Stidham come in through a touchdown pass, but still through two interceptions. Um, to, and one was a return for a pick six. So I'm, I'm going to say the New England quarterbacks without Cam on the field is going to be my poor performers of the week. So next topic we have is uh, we have our weekly power rankings. Uh, so after week four, We'll uh, rank our, our top five teams. And, Tyler, let's just start off with this Ooh, one. Okay, top five teams. Number one, I assume is unanimous with everybody, Kansas City. Uh, number two, I have the Green Bay Packers. Um, it's looking more and more like the NFC North is going to go their way. About maybe the one or two seed. Uh, interesting to see how they finish out the season. Number three, I want a little spicy Buffalo. Uh, they looked good against this week against Las Vegas. Number four, the Seattle Seahawks. And number five, I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts. 
they're sitting at three and one with a pretty stout defense in the AFC South. So uh, that's where I have them at against uh, winning the undefeated Bears this week. All right, Wayne, what's your top five this week after week four? All right, well, Kansas City, I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. Okay, it's number one, obviously. Number two, Seattle Seahawks. Number three, I'm going to go with Green Bay Packers. Number four, Baltimore Ravens. And number five, the Buffalo Bills. You know, I I, I think uh, Seattle, I think Seattle's doing really good. I really do. I like them a lot. I think they got a shot against Kansas City. I don't see anybody else that does. All right. John, what's your top five? Yeah, pretty much the same as everybody has said. Kansas City, number one. Green Bay, number two for me. Uh, Seahawks, number three. Bills, number four. And, of course, I'm going to go homer. A lot of people are going homer. So my secondary homer would have to be Tampa Bay Buccaneers, same as it was last week, number five. Great comeback this week again. What you got? All right. So I have, uh, of course, Chiefs number one. I got Packers number two. And I think Packers are, for me, is clear cut number two. Um, we could talk about that Falcon performance. You know, the Falcons played good in all their games this year and then choked at the end. Uh, but they got destroyed from the get go um, Monday night. The Packers just looked like they were just the superior team and do whatever they wanted. Aaron Rodgers just looked really good this year. I could I could really see them uh, facing off against the Chiefs or Ravens in the Super Bowl. Uh, Seahawks number three. I have the Bills number four, uh, and I have the Ravens number five. Just because the Ravens' only loss has been the Chiefs so far this year, even though I like to see them face a little bit stiffer competition as we go along, which they will. So they'll definitely get to prove themselves. Uh, so next topic we have is a, a new topic we're gonna we're gonna test out this week, and we're gonna go buy or sell. Uh, I have a series of uh, topics, and I'm going to go around the table and let everybody answer what their thoughts are. So first off, the first thing I thought in my mind uh, with the COVID thing going on is, will we finish the NFL season? Today it was announced uh, another Patriot player tested positive, um, and then we had another Titan player test positive. You know, these players that are testing positive are interacting with other players on the field, so it becomes nerve-wracking um, on how the season is going to work. So, Wayne, we'll start with you. Will the will we finish the NFL season buy or sell? Uh, I I buy. I think we will. I think I think uh, if baseball finished their season, they delayed some stuff, and I think we're gonna have more delayed games. I think there people are gonna adjust their bye weeks, but I do think we're gonna finish the season. Okay, John, buy or sell? John, are you with us? You gonna finish this? All right, Ty. Buy or sell? Oh, go ahead, John. Are you there? Yes, go ahead. All right. Are we gonna finish the season? One hundred percent. We're gonna finish the season. We can't have more disappointments. I know we don't like to get political, but if the president of the United States NFL season can finish. Who else? Okay. Yeah, I'm buying. Ty, what you got? Buy or um, sell? The NFL has uh, they had a meeting the other day, and they let the teams know uh, guidelines 
uh, that they're putting in place with heavy fines and even up to forfeiture of games um, if players continue to test positive. Um, you know, not sure how these players are, uh, you know, who they're interacting with outside of the team. Um, you know, not even to get political, but like I said, you know, the president caught COVID. So, like, you know, who knows, you know, who's getting it now and how they're getting it. So, but uh, I'm buying it. Um, like Wayne mentioned, the MLB, they finished it and definitely have to get it um, for us to cancel the season. Yeah, I'm also buying it. I think uh, you've had cases here and there. I think, you know, I think NFL has done good to, you know, testing every day. Yes. To make sure they can catch uh, whoever potentially tests positive right away, uh, and 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 get them uh, quarantined from the rest of the team. Um, I, I I saw that unfortunately the Titans, they told them to quarantine and not be together in groups, and they were getting together at a local high school trying to practice, which could could cause spreading. Um, so it, it's unfortunate that they kind of ignored that rule. But I understand also you want them to to stay away from each other, but then you expect them to play on Sunday. So it becomes hard to not have any practice in there at all. So, right. but I, I, I do think they'll get the season in. Yeah. Tip of the hat. Next I have is, um, Oh, go I ahead. Was like, tip of the hat to the NFL. You know, they, I think if you've seen some, num- they posted some numbers for like, think about how many players and staff members and personnel there are in the league total. And they've had very low numbers. So I think that's been very hard to do, but you know, tip of the cap to the league for keeping these numbers as low as they are without easily this is spread. All right. Yeah, for right. nothing was ASU. All right. Next question I have is: uh, Can Josh Allen lead the Bills to the Super Bowl? John, I'll let you start with this. Buy or sell? I, I buy it. I mean, it's it's absolutely possible. Um, we we talk about different teams throughout the years who have been fluke. We talk about the Bears with Rex Grossman. I mean, we could probably go down the list of if you get hot at the right time, it can absolutely happen. And it can for sure happen for the Bills. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, for sure. All right. Uh, Wayne, buy or sell? Can Josh Allen lead the Bills to the Super Bowl? Uh, It's a tough buy. Uh, It would be a definite buy in NFC. Okay, but in the AFC, it's tough. But because of the – you know, there's a lot in the way. You know, you're going to have the Steelers. You're going to have the Ravens. You're going to have Kansas City. And, yeah, I know the Ravens ain't done shit in the playoffs with Lamar, but I, I think the Bills are are in the top five, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. I got to see more from the Bills. I got to see more from them. I'm not going to buy it myself. All right. Ty, buy or sell? Uh, I'm buying it, and I'll go in a little more in detail uh, tonight for my segment. It's going to feature the Buffalo Bills. Um, I'm buying them as a team as well, but – with Josh Allen, I'm buying it. Now the draft, he came out with Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, and he's obviously had the most success. And a positive from Josh Allen was he had a lot of arm strength. I mean, he could flick the ball 75 yards and kind of like a Brett Favre. What the Bills have done a good job of doing is limiting his mistakes and getting him a little more technique. And you've seen the growth over the past couple years, especially this year, minimal minimal mistakes. He's been a good, he's been like slightly above game manager, right? So he's not like a Pat Mahomes, but so far, like he's led the team and he's made uh, minimal mistakes, which is what cost him last year in the playoffs. In that, I'm buying uh, him leading them to the big bowl. All right. Um, I'm, I'm going to sell and I'm going to sell for one reason. Um, 
playoffs a different animal. You know, we uh, we, we messed with Wayne about uh, Lamar Jackson. But you can play in the regular season, but when you get to the playoffs, it becomes just a different field, different atmosphere. And I don't think Josh Allen hasn't experienced that much. I think he's on track. I, I give him another – you know, this year they should make the playoffs. He'll get that playoff experience. And the next couple of years, I think the, the Bills are going to be in their window and he's going to be experienced in the playoffs to help them lead a run. So, for this year, I'm going to sell. But for long term, I'm definitely buying. Next question I have is, uh, will the Panthers get eight wins this year? Um, Ty, I'll let you start. Buy oh, or sell. man, that is a – I hate to be a homer, but that's a tough buy. At the start of the season, I would say sell, sell, sell. Uh, but last – couple weeks they've actually looked pretty decent as a team and they're starting to like make progress and play better as a unit so eight wins total that's six left you know i'm buying that all right john buy or sell will the panthers get eight wins this year yeah i'm with you at the beginning of the season i would have said absolutely not but honestly uh, looking at their schedule, I, I'm starting to see more games and I'm like, they should win that based on what I've seen at the Cardinals. It's a matter of which team is going to show up. And we, Wayne has talked about before how teams get better as the season goes on. And I just got to have some faith in that and some hope. And I'm going to say I buy it. I believe they will win eight games, even though at the beginning of the year, I thought they were going to win three. Wayne, buy or sell, will the Panthers win eight games this year? Well, at the beginning of the year, I said they were going to win six. You know, I looked at their schedule. I look, I know they're going through rebuilding and all, and I, I thought they were going to beat Oakland the first week of the season. You know, I, I, was, I was buying six. So, you know, they have improved. If that defense can, you know, keep on improving, I think they will because young defensive players, they do improve as they go through the season. So, yeah, I'm buying. I'm buying eight wins. All right, I'm going to buy as well. I would like this to us to get to the a Saints game into a really good offense and see what our defense does. Uh, was I, I thought the Cardinal offense was pretty good with Drake in the backfield, Hopkins and and Murray the way he played last year, and they had a strong run toward the end of the year. And I thought they were do a lot more against us. I even made a comment that Hopkins might have 35 catches, and he he was limited to like 45 yards. So. Um, I guess we'll see as years go on, but looking at the the schedule, I see it's very possible we can win eight games, and that's really good considering we're in a kind of a full rebuild right now. And you look at our offense, it's not really a rebuild. Two really good receivers, and then CMC in the backfield, I think we can win eight games, so I'm buying. Um, next question is, will Aaron Rodgers win another Super Bowl as a Packer? Buy or sell, Wayne? Oh. Uh, Win a Super Bowl? I don't know. I think he's going to make it maybe to a Super Bowl, but I don't think he's going to. I think uh, I'm, I'm I'm selling that. I don't see him winning a Super Bowl as a Packer. Another Again, I don't see it. I think uh, there's just so much luck that goes into winning a Super Bowl. So much going on. In, and I, I just don't see it with the Packers. I know they're a good team. I really, I, I've been on the Packers bandwagon the last few years. I really do think they're a good team. You know, they finally got some running, uh, running, really do some shit. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm selling. All right. John, buy or sell? Well, of course I'm selling. Um, I've, I've had no faith on Aaron Rodgers. Um, it, if you look over the past 10 years, 
um, considering he was considered the the best quarterback in the league prior to Patrick Mahomes, um, completely overshadowing my boy Tom Brady. Uh, granted, he has the running ability, he has the arm, he has everything, but he's an absolute uh, blame everybody around you kind of player, plays the victim. It's the coach's fault. It's this person not running the right route. It's that he's not a leader. He's a great football player, but he's not a leader. And that's the difference between him and Tom Brady. And so I'm selling it. All right, Ty Byers. Um, it's going to be a sell as far as winning another Super Bowl with Green Bay. Um, as good as they've looked this year, you know, the path to the NFC – you know, to be represent the NFC Super Bowl should be a fairly easy one, uh, besides Seattle, obviously. But as far as winning, um, you know, it takes a lot, just like John said. And I will mention this, you know, Wayne mentioned it takes luck to win the Super Bowl. I don't think there's a luckier dude and as far as throwing some crazy crazy throws up than Aaron Rodgers completing them. Um, but I'm selling um, you know, and I and I and I want to make this point. I'm curious as to you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't really look down this year, but how long until they don't win another Super Bowl until they pull like pull the plug on Aaron and want to plug in Jordan Love? I, that is uh, a question I have for the organization um, on how many more chances Aaron has. Well, I want I want to add all right add to that one more thing. If you could dump that amount of payroll, how much better can you make the entire team? Right. Agreed. All right, I'm going to be opposite of all of you, all three of you. I'm going to buy, and I'll tell you why. A couple reasons. Um, watching a couple of the games, even you know stuff I read, they talk about how Aaron Rodgers is so much more relaxed this year. I think he got the message when they drafted a quarterback in the first round that he needs to get his act together of how he was acting. And they're not a team that's going to drop back and expect him to win every ball game. They're, they've become a right. running team and ask him to go off play action, do things like that. And I think the NFC this year is uh, not as strong, it's not as top-heavy. you got the Seahawks, you know, you can say they, they, they just beat the uh, Saints, and you got the Bucks, But they could get to the Super Bowl, and if they face – I just say if they face the Chiefs, which is the best team right now, they can run the football. And Chiefs have struggled to stop the run. And – one of the big things the Packers have is a very good pass rush. They have two sack specialists, um, Zadarius Smith, which went actually went to my high school, had three sacks against the Falcons. Uh, I, I think they could uh, they have the they have the potential, and I could see them get to the Super Bowl. And once you get to the Super Bowl, then it's, you just got one game left to win. Um, you know, you go by year after year, you see teams that just get to the Super Bowl unexpectedly. And they're like, no way they're going to win it, and then they win it. The Giants, you know, the, Giants yes. the Patriots, when they were undefeated. Um, so it's it's it can happen, you know. I, I, you look at the Seahawks, really a team they got to compete with. The Seahawks defense is just atrocious. I mean, the, they they let the Dolphins stay in the game this past week. You know, you really can't stop Russell Wilson, but if you have you can't stop Aaron Rodgers, which has the best QBR in the NFL right now. Um, they 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 have the potential. He he's played more. Uh, accurate that you don't have to throw the ball as much because they run the football down everybody's throats. So I'm going to buy. So on to our next topic, uh, you know, we, we all bring something different to the table um, each week. So we're all going to have segments that we, things that we talk about. Uh, so I'm going to let John go first and start off with his segment. Uh, what's he want to talk about this week? 
Okay, my segment is called Overrated, and I'm going to do my best to keep this relatively brief. I hope you all can hear me, and I know a lot of things I'm going to bring during this segment of Overrated. It's going to be a little controversial, and I'm going to start my first segment as nothing more controversial than Overrated Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is spoon-fed to all of us as the greatest coach to ever grace this freaking planet. And I think it's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. And, and I'm just going to run down the line of reasons why here. Uh, first off, Bill Belichick, let's talk about the coaches that he's had underneath him. Just a, a simple little point. Bill O'Brien just got fired. His overall record as a head coach is 31-33. Eric Mangini with the Jets, he was 23-25. The Browns, he was 10-22. and 22. Nick Saban, you want to throw that in there? Nick Saban, why not? He was 15, lost 17. Josh McDaniels, 11, lost 17. Uh, Romeo Cornell, 24 wins, lost 40 fucking games. Jim Schwartz, 29 of 51. Let's just talk about a few other basic coaches. Mike Holmgren coaches underneath him. He had Steve Mariucci. He had John Gruden. And my man, Bill Parcells, doesn't get enough respect. Bill Parcells is the godfather to Bill Belichick, first off, who was underneath him as a Super Bowl winning coach. Tom Coughlin was underneath him as a Super Bowl winning coach. And Sean Payton is uh, underneath him as a Super Bowl winning coach. If you're going to be called the greatest coach of all time, and yet you can't teach anybody anything, you can't – I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's, it's fucking – it's bullshit that we get fed. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. And, and let's talk more about Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells won two Super Bowls with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. We're talking Phil Simms, who bowls his entire career, and Hostetler. Are you kidding me? And everywhere he went, he had success. He had success with the Jets. He had success, of course, with the Patriots, which keep in mind, Bill Parcells took that team over four years after Bill Parcells was there. You want to talk about some of the drafts Bill Parcells had? How about Troy Brown? How about Willie McGinnis? How about Ty Law? Do you remember hearing those names in the Bill Parcells era? You're fucking right you did. And the reason Bill Parcells left is because uh, Kraft comes in and says, hey, Bill, uh, we don't want you to draft anymore. We're going to do our own draft. And Parcells bolted. Otherwise, it could be a whole complete ball game with Bill Parcells. I give uh, or Bill Belichick. I give Bill Belichick credit where credit is due. He is a very good GM. He he brought about the the mindset of when a player hits thirty, you ditch him, you get rid of him, and you get someone else. It's cutthroat, but I admire it. And and I'll give him this. He is possibly the greatest talent scout of all time. I'll give him that. But a great coach? Fuck no, he's not a great coach. You ever sit through one of his team meetings? I listen to him every night right before I'm going to go to bed. Is that inspirational? Have you ever heard his voice? I just fucking go to sleep. Bill Belichick is not even close to the greatest coach of all time. Maybe top five. Maybe top five. I mean, Bill Parcells goes to the Jets, a ship team, and gets them the AFC championship in two years. Are you fucking kidding me? The Patriots themselves were an absolute laughingstock until Bill Parcells got there. Look up their record from 1989 to 1992. It was shit. Everybody believed the Patriots were shit. And 
this he got lucky getting a sixth round draft pick to be a Hall of Fame, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And we all know a quarterback is the is the most important position in all of football. And every single time they win, they say, Oh, that Belichick. And every single time they lose, they say, Oh, Tom Brady plays like shit. Is Tom Brady's numbers uh, awesome for the playoffs? Yeah, I guess they're not jumping off the page. But you look at last week. You look at last week when Dak Prescott throws for 500 yards and they fucking lose. It doesn't, it's not about the stats. It's about quality of play. And Tom Brady is a leader. He was a leader for the entire time he was there. He was the first one in there. He set the example in the locker room and he led that team in every way possible. He led that team in payroll also. He took a pay cut. Look at how lucky Bill Belichick was to have Tom Brady as a quarterback, as a man that's not going to demand the top salary in the league and totally uh, implode the entire team. And did he, did he have weapons? Look at the receivers he had. Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Randy Moss, that's all you got. Anyway, Bill Belichick is completely overrated. And for anyone to say otherwise – it's just because the media has fed you this bullshit year after year after year after year. And I want to see it. I want to see Bill Belichick win a Super Bowl without a Hall of Fame quarterback the way Bill Parcells did twice. That's all I got. What you got, Wayne? All right, John. Take a, yeah. take a, take a second to breathe. We'll let Wayne <laughs> hey, go. Uh, can, I, can I bounce off John's real quick? Go John, ahead. I actually just want to uh, add to your point. Look at Matt Patricia in Detroit, struggling. Oh, I, He's been in what's his third or fourth year, and like players don't like playing for him. That organization is not trending upwards. Like they're spending, you know, like they're not going the right way. He'll be he'll be fired next. Yep. No, I, I'm with you on that point, and I think Bill and I and I'm with you. I mean, I I totally agree with what you're saying, which you know, and you don't think about it until you bring up some good points. And I think Bill Parcells doesn't get the credit he does because of the way he kind of went out. Um, you know, with the the Cowboys and um, kind of being like an executive head GM kind of type thing, like mentors. So we kind of like faded out, you know, as opposed to staying in the spotlight. So I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves, just like you said. A hundred percent. And even with the Giants, he didn't have to, they didn't push him out the Giants. He just, he just said, deuces, I'm out. That's how the Giants went. And he goes on to New England, has success. He gets pissed off at Robert Kraft. He says, fuck you, I'm Bill Parcells. I'm out. I'm going to the Jets. And I'm going to take your players. And I'm going to take Bill uh, Belichick with me. And he goes to the Jets and he has success. And then he bounces out of there. And years later, he comes back with the Cowboys. And who can do anything with the Cowboys? But he had a 10-6 and season. And the last two years he was there, he went 9-7, and 9-7. But they were always respected. And that's what a great coach does. If Bill Parcells was speaking to me right now, I would get pumped and think I could walk through a wall. If I was sitting in a Bill Belichick meeting, I would fucking fall asleep. So fuck that coaching shit. All right, Wayne, you're next. All right. Okay. My segment's on throwing darts. You know, I like to make bold predictions and get laughed at by my friends on this podcast. But I end up being right a lot of the time. So my two bold <laughs> you already starting off, Wayne. What? You already started off with this laugh. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah, my two another. my two predictions for the season is gonna be the Cleveland Browns will make the playoffs along with the Steelers and the Ravens at AFC North. Okay? And my other prediction is 
two teams from the NFC with losing records will make the playoffs this year. I, I, I'm not a fan of the NFC. I think, like Ty was saying earlier, it's Seattle Green Bay. That's it. You know, I think we all feel that way, to be honest. You know, the Saints ain't showing us nothing this year. Tom fucking Brady ain't showing me nothing this year still. You know, other than that comeback. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm just saying I'm not confident on any other team other than Seattle and Green Bay in, in the NFC. So I feel like Dallas could end up making the playoffs with a 7-9 and nine, nine record or maybe even lower, maybe 6-10. and 10. I think – I. Playoffs at seven and nine. I think it's very possible. All right. So, uh, Ty, um, you're next. This segment was inspired by John Carter, and it's going to be a little bit of a lengthy one. That's all right. If you like, I'm going to get this one's called How We Got Here. And if you're good with it, I'm going to get down into the weeds on uh, some coaching, some GM trees, and some salary cap stuff, and how player development works, if that works for you guys. Yep. Uh, so today's team is the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think everybody's kind of enjoying their story and their season, and you don't really, you know, hear about too many people that really hate the Bills. Uh, but so far, they're four and zero this year, and you know they really don't have any signs of slowing down. Um, and that all starts with the head coach, Sean McDermott, is in his fourth season, um, and you know he's and and in NFL about the fourth season is when you want to see, like, you know, years three to four is when you want to see, okay, you come into a crappy situation. I got to get my guys in here, my coaches, and we got to start working on South. You know, you got to rebuild, and by you know, by year three or four is where you should start having the turn. And the bills are definitely turning, trending upwards. Uh, he started back in 1999 uh, on Andy Reid's staff with the Eagles, and we can all agree Andy Reid is the top, top coach of all time. And, and talking about his tree, you know, he's made some phenomenal coaches, and Sean McDermott's one of them. You know, started at the bottom as a scouting coordinator and worked his way up to the defense coordinator. And he even uh, went and worked for Carolina. Um, that's how Josh and John and I know him, and even Wayne, I'm sure. Uh, but under Carolina, he was under Ron Rivera, and he had some tremendous defenses. He was the defense coordinator when Carolina had the three-peat of the NFC South uh, division and um, was the defense coordinator during Super Bowl 50. And they did a good job on defense that game uh, as well. So just a tremendous defensive coordinator. And he, he earned his head coaching uh, gig. Um, and, you know, he had two really good mentors, Ron Rivera and Andy Reid. And when Brandon Bean went to uh, the assistant GM for Carolina, the uh, current interim, what he was interim at the time he got hired and went to, and went to Buffalo, he took Sean McDermott with him. And uh, the owner absolutely loves both of these guys. He says they are attached to the hip. They have the same way of thinking. You know, pretty much they can almost finish each other's sentences. And you'd like to see that have a GM and head coach combination because, you know, what do you see most of the time throughout the league is like turmoil. The coaches get along with the GM, you know, uh, other, other things like that. So I think that's a big part of their success is they have the same train of thought. And, um, you know, Buffalo is referred to as Carolina North. And, you know, it starts with the head coach and the GM. And it also goes down to the players. And I'm going to list the players that uh, are on our roster right now that were on Carolina at some point. Uh, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, A.J. Klein, Dean Marlowe, Josh Norman, Darrell Williams, Brian Koch Jr., Andre Smith, and Star Latouille. And there's even been some more in the past, like Mike Tolbert. So, you know, they're, they're taking guys from Carolina that are either wanting to leave Carolina, like Mario Addison wanted to get out this year and went to a contender, 
or they see some potential. And one thing I noticed is, is AJ Klein on that list. He was supposed to be Luke's replacement or, you know, helping Luke and Thomas Davis. And he actually left Carolina to go be a starter in New Orleans. And Sean McDermott brought him into Buffalo. I think that's a good good gift for him there. Um, I, and, what, and I went through and dissected Buffalo's roster. And one thing I noticed of a trend from them, and I think one thing that makes them successful is they take guys that have been counted out, and this is kind of opposite of Bill Belichick. And I think John will appreciate this. Buffalo is taking guys that have been counted out, and they develop them, they develop them, and they shape them to the way they want to be. They see guys that have raw talent that they want to work with. And one example of that is Jordan Poyer. And I'm sure that name might not sound familiar to everybody, but he started out, he got drafted from Cleveland, and then he went to Philly. And let me give you some stats here, guys. First five years for Jordan, total 123 tackles and two interceptions. Just in three and a half years of Buffalo and Sean McDermott, he came he came to Buffalo in 2017 with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, 297 tackles, 11 interceptions. And each year you look at the PFF rankings, he's at the top of the board. And a strong safety, you know, having a really good safety is a key to having a tremendous defense, which they've worked on that. So I love seeing the story. And you know, there's and, and Cole Beasley is on that roster, you know, same thing with Buffalo, kind of kind of got counted out in Dallas, and now he's went to Buffalo. So you see that all up and down the roster of Buffalo, and I love seeing that and taking these guys that, hey, we want to shape our defense around these guys' skill sets, and this is how we're going to do it. And, and Brandon Bean. And their dead money for Buffalo, which is salary cap, it counts towards a salary cap, which is players that are not, are not currently active on the roster, but they're still paying. Buffalo is only point, paying $4.5 million in dead money. I mean, hats off to Brandon Bean. Now you think $4.5 million, that's a lot of money. Here's some perspective for you. For Carolina's dead money this year and the rebuilding phase, $43 million in dead money this year. Oh, my God. So, Buffalo has the mix of rookies and uh, younger guys and veterans. You know, you look at the roster, you see rookie, third year, eight year, 10 year. They have a nice job of, of balancing that out. They, they still have $5 million in cap money for 2020, which is, which is still a good amount of space if they need to assign somebody. So, you know, and, the, and one good thing about only having $4.5 million in dead money, that just goes to show Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are picking the right guys. They're getting these guys on these contracts three or four years. They're keeping them on the roster, and they're not cutting them loose. They're getting good talent that fit their system, and they're keeping them, and they're saying, these are our right guys. We're not having to cut them loose and bring in more guys. So hats off to Brandon Bean and, and Sean McDermott for having low dead money. You have a great record, and, and you still have draft picks. And, and, you know, you can't forget about bringing in Stephon Diggs in the offseason. Josh Allen needed a top receiver for his development and somebody to go to, and he has used Stephon Diggs this year like they intended to. I mean, good job on their pro scout personnel development, you know, and their scouting group. They targeted him. They knew he wanted out of Minnesota, and they brought him in. I mean, you know, so just going through, you know, the roster and the dead cap money and the salary cap and the coaching tree and Sean McDermott's brought in the right people, I mean – Hats off to Buffalo. You know, they're 4-0. Let's hope they don't tank. But I see the fundamentals on how you build a great organization, and I think they're doing it the right way, and I think they have continued success going forward.
So that's how we got here with the Buffalo Bills. Great. All right. Good insight, Ty. Thank you. Um, so uh, for me, I went to I went for the rookie challenge. You know, I watch a lot of uh, NFL, so I have a lot of experience. You know, players that are coming into the NFL or a lot of NCAA players like and their success coming into the NFL. So I have two spotlights this week. Uh, first, I'm going to start with Justin, Justin Jefferson. He came from LSU. He was uh, led the NCAA in receiving yards, uh, won the award for best receiver in college. Um, and then he was drafted as the fifth wide receiver in the first round, which is probably a slap to face to him. Um, and he leads all rookies in receiving yards at 348. Uh, he actually, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, he is the number one rated receiver uh, in the league so far this year. Um, so, you know, probably uh, somebody you see, uh, you know, I'm the best receiver in college, and then I come out, and then uh, I, I'm the fifth quarterback or fifth running back off the board. Uh, he's he's proved the doubters wrong so far. So look for Justin Jefferson to do big things um, um, in the, as this what year progresses and in the future. Uh, my, uh, okay. It was 20th to the Vikings, and okay. he was the fifth Thank receiver you. taken. Um, So my other spotlight, I'm going to be a, a homer here. I'm going to take Jeremy Chin, and I'll tell you why. So, you know, going into the draft, Matt Rule said he liked players that can be dynamic. They're athletic. They can play all over the field. Well, the, you know, all the talk was we were going to take Derrick Brown, and then the other talk was we are going to take Isaiah Sims. Simmons from uh, Clemson. Um, Simmons is 6'4", 238. He had like a – I think he had a 4'38", Just phenomenal athlete that could play linebacker uh, or safety in the next level. Um, so we ended up taking Derek Brown with the first pick, and we took Chin at the end of the second round. Uh, Chin has similar body um, size as Simmons at 6'3", 220. And he can play linebacker or safety. Uh, so we, you know, we we said, all right, we're not going to take Simmons in the first round. We're going to take Derrick Brown, get the guy to clog up the middle. And then they they had a mindset because they traded up in the second round to get Chin, so they knew who they wanted. And Chin has outperformed Simmons by a long shot. You know, Chin has so far this year has thirty five tackles and starting for the Panthers. Uh, Isaiah Simmons comes off the bench and only has six tackles so far this year. So great scouting. Um, he comes from a small, a small college, Southern Illinois. You probably don't always gonna see you're going to scout some guys from. Uh, they scouted him. They see him. This is the guy we want. He plays similar to this guy that everybody wants to take in the first round. And he's outperformed uh, Simmons by a long shot. And he don't look like he's slowing up at all. You know, I, I rewatched the Panther game. And first play of the game, he's on the opposite end of the field and sprints to the other end and make a solo tackle. It looked like something Luke Kiku would do. Uh, I'm not saying he's Luke by any means. Uh, he's not even close, at least yet. Uh, but to see a play like that, run the, from the opposite end of the field to run over and make a solo tackle was eye-opening me right off the first play of the game. So that's my two um, rookie spotlights this week. I think the, they're both on to be successful and top players in the NFL as they gain more experience and time in the NFL. Uh, so our next topic is we're going to talk about the um, – as. We're Panther fans and Wayne's Raven fans. We like to talk about our home teams just to briefly about the previous week. So we're going to talk about the Ravens first. And Wayne, uh, well, since you're Raven fan, let you go first. Week. They needed to basically 
show the rest of the league that they're, they're, they didn't crumble after losing to Kansas City. And Lamar Jackson, he, uh, he had a 107.8 quarterback rating, 193 yards, and a 50-yard run for a touchdown, which was the longest of his career. So he, he came back. He, 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 again, I know Washington is not Kansas City, but I don't think any team Kansas City. So it was nice to get that win back. Well, All right, John, my, my thoughts were uh, the Ravens of the year, and, and Wayne could probably speak to this, but did they not have a couple of games where they literally shut people out? Like they literally had a shutout point. Like they, I just expected them to come in and beat the wheels off of Washington. And in watching a little bit of that game, uh, the quarterback who got benched, I, I, I saw some Swiss cheese in that Ravens defense, and I don't know what's going on there. And it's a little shocking. They did need to win. They do need to get their confidence up, and they do need to get that ball rolling. They got a couple of tough teams coming up a little bit later down the line if COVID doesn't decimate any of those teams or whatever. But um, I was in, – in watching that game, I was surprised at how well the Redskins played. Uh, a couple of balls go the other way here and there, and they could have that could have been a shootout, a field goal game. Um, so – uh, the Ravens got to get that beat you up defense mentality back somehow, some way. Kansas City, you know, smacked them around. Washington was a good uh, opportunity for them just to stop a mud hole in someone and stick your chest out like the Ravens need to. So uh, I, I, it was a little concerning to me, I'm going to be honest. So that's what I took away from the game. So uh, what do you got, Ty? Uh, I'm going to piggyback on that, John. Um, you know, Dwayne Haskins threw for 340 yards and – I'm sorry, 314. And, you know, and he's getting benched this week. So, you know, Kyle Allen starting for him. So, what should he have thrown for to keep his job? You know, so uh, interesting with the Ravens defense. You know, Lamar, you know, I think he had a good pass rating. But, you know, 14, 21, 193, you know, don't really jump out of the screen at you. But I guess he doesn't have to pass, right? And I'm curious to see, you know, once again, running back by committee, you know, seven carries for Jackson, nine for Edwards, eight for Ingram, five for J.K. Dobbins, three for RG3. So, you know, will that trend continue with the running back by committee? Can it sustain? Um, you know, I think it was a good bounce back win. But you have to – good job by the Ravens not collapsing to the, the uh, a hangover from the week before and coming out and beating the team that should. Um and I'm going to come out and say there's a chance that the Bengals win this week. I think if Joey Burrow can come out and throw like he has been and uh, throws for another 300-yard game, I think the Bengals have a chance of winning. All right. So, um, I, I thought the, the Baltimore came out did what they needed to do. Um, up 31-10 in the fourth quarter. And then they put in – our. Uh, RG3, uh, and he throws one pass for interception. And then the, the Redskins got a quick score to make it a two-score game. Uh, so the game was, you know, out of hand. You know, at, right at halftime, it was – you take away the last two minutes of the first half, and it was a very close game. Uh, but then the Ravens just took control of the second half. I'm interested to see the month of November. I was looking at their schedule. They placed a lot of good defenses once they hit November. They got – they play the Steelers twice. They play the Colts. 
Patriots yep. and Titans all in the month of November, which are all pretty good defensive teams. November is going to be telling how good the Ravens actually are. They play this, when they play those games against top defenses, like the Colts and Steelers have the top two defenses right now in yards allowed. Uh, so we'll see how they get through the months of November and see who they actually are um, this year. Um, so the Panthers, we'll talk about the Panthers oh, real quick uh, here. Uh, Tyler, you um, go first. Man, impressive win against the Cardinals. Some other people might not say so, uh, but – there was definitely a chance for – I'm sure Kyler Murray and Hopkins were licking their chops coming in this weekend against the Carolina secondary. But i tell you what, hats off to them. You know, Rasul Douglas, you know, Dante Jackson, you know, they, they showed up, and I think that's a big reason they won the game. Derrick Brown looked tremendous on defense. I mean, a rookie pushing back grown men centers and getting a tackle in the backfield, that's just not seen very often. And Derrick Brown has this raw power – and that's only going to get better with time and experience. And, you know, we talked about the first two games of the year, they come out looking rough. As to be expected, I think there's like six or seven rookies starting on defense or, I mean, on the team total. So they didn't have any preseason games. You had to get used to the speed. But I tell you what, if if these rookies can come in, and they're all talented, great. I mean, I don't think anybody could dispute the – I mean, you know, Gross Matos had a huge strip sack fumble. Um, you know, Troy Pride hasn't looked terrible in the secondary. So, you know, hats off to Marty and Matt Rule for picking these guys. I mean, I mean, I think they've all gotten better each week. And if they can catch some catch some traction going in into the second half of the season, you know, we're in, we're going into the second quarter. But if they can start catching some traction and the skills can start to come out and they get more comfortable, they could be scary as a bunch of rookies on defense. And you know, offensively, Teddy Bridgewater did what he's supposed to do. He made some good throws. You know, the interception was a little long. But other than that, uh, once again, great game manager, leading the, leading the team like he's supposed to. And uh, if they lose to Atlanta this week, I'm going to cry. <laughs> All right, John. Yeah, I got to piggyback on that. If we lose to Atlanta, which I can see it happening. <laughs> uh, I, it's going to be devastating to me also because I feel kind of like we got the ball rolling. And, and I'm just going to speak openly and honestly, and I'm going to get ripped apart from this. Uh, but in watching that game, I got bored. I got bored because we were doing what we were supposed to do and what is kind of expected. We were uh, executing on defense offensively. I enjoyed uh, to see Teddy Bridgewater run the ball a few times. Uh, I haven't seen that a whole lot since he was back in Minnesota before the devastating knee injury. Uh, rumbling uh, at the, you know, actually, if you watch the mic'd up for Matt Rule, yep. he had that one long run, and Matt Rule says, I thought you were going to cut it inside and score the touchdown. And then next thing you know, Teddy Bridgewater is busting it up inside, going for the goal line and getting the touchdown. And um, as he gains uh, more, more comfortable back there with the team, with the play calling, uh, I hope to see this team continue. I hope we don't take a step back against Atlanta and throw three interceptions and just get slaughtered. Uh, I, I enjoyed seeing this, and it's great to have some hope uh, in this season that I expected to be very, very rough. I, I saw some still some sloppy play on defense, 100%. We, we, we all saw it. But it, at the end of the day, I never felt that game was out of hand for us. I felt we were in control. And that's comforting to me to see that. So what you got, Wayne? Well, I I like Teddy Bridgewater a lot. I said that at the beginning of the season. I think he's not going to 
dominate the game. There's no question about that. But he's not going to cost you any games to me either. I think right. that's what you need for the team. You know, he's not going to make stupid mistakes like we've seen in the Patriots game on Monday night. You know, we already we've seen what can happen when you got a quarterback who takes a decent defensive game, you know, and blows it. He's not going to make those mistakes. And I'm a real big fan of him. I like the way Mike Davis was running the ball. Yes. And I'm very impressed with the defense. I, I Kyle Murray, he he wasn't himself. And it, was, it has a lot to do with the defense, you know. And, and, yes, he's had a couple of flaky games in the last few weeks. But look what he did against San Francisco in that defense, you know. And, and compared to now, I, I, I'm impressed with Carolina. And I think they're going to make the playoffs. All right, I have, I have a couple different observations. Um, first, I'm going to admit I wasn't necessarily happy when we signed Teddy Bridgewater. You know, I've been a Cam Homer guy from the get-go from his college days. I was disappointed at how the Panthers handled the whole situation with Cam after all he did for the, the team for the last nine, ten years. Um, but, you know, Brent, it seemed like Bridgewater's got better each game. Uh, he seemed like he has full control of the offense, which is good and refreshing. Uh, we have good receivers. Um, I feel like we've got better each week. You know, Ramon Rivera, it never seemed like – you couldn't really see a notice of how we got better each week. And as we progress into week four and now going to week five, you just see us get better. We do things that we make mistakes on the previous week and we get better at it, uh, which is refreshing. So, you know, it gives me a feel that we really do have a good head coach, and that's why we went out and spent $10 million a year on a head coach. Um, so, I know it's only four games in. It looks good so far, so hopefully it continues. Uh, I'll be disappointed in the coaching staff if when Christian McCaffrey comes back, we don't put Mike Davis right. in on 31 yeah. to run the football. He just he just wants he wants to run people over. He don't give a shit who you are. He probably <laughs> run over his own mama the way he runs over people on the field. It just is incredible that he hasn't been in the game when Christian McCaffrey was not hurt on those short. You know, we should have gave him the, the ball on that fourth and one against the darn uh, Reds, the Raiders there to win that, to put us in position to win that game. Uh, but, you know, they're short yards. He's he's got most all of them so far. He likes to put his head down and run people over. It's impressive what he's done, and we got to give Christian McCaffrey a break when he comes back so he's not wore out in the fourth quarter trying to trying to survive. Plus, we want to have them long-term. We keep using him and abusing him like we are now. He's right. not going to be around in four years to do what he can do now. So I think Mike Davis is the guy. He's still uh, fairly young. I think it's somebody we need to keep as a number two and give him at least ten touches a game and short yardage situations and maybe spare him a uh, McCaffrey a drive here and there. Or, heck, even put them both on the field at the same time. Split out McCaffrey wide as a third or fourth receiver and have Davis in the backfield. There's a lot of opportunity there that we need to capitalize on now that we see Davis can, can do this role. Um, you know, he had, uh, he had five catches in the game along with uh, 16 rushes for 84 yards uh, in a game that we're in control of. So I hope to see more of um, – with Mike yeah. Davis, as the year goes on, I just want to say one more thing. So as we rushes. close out today, we I think go ahead, Carolina's Tyler. rushes and passes were almost dead even on numbers. If I heard last correctly, you might go back and watch the film. Uh, great, yeah, 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 yeah great. Yeah, thirty-seven, I mean, great balance thirty-seven by Joe Brady. to thirty-five. They didn't take their foot off the gas. You know, with Mike Davis at running, if you if you split Christian out, you have Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. Curtis Samuel and Christian, if you had those receivers, who are you going to cover? You can't double team all of them, and they're all tremendously talented, and they're all fast. And you have Mike Davis out there about, with Teddy Bridgewater. 
the offense is stacked. If they can get that defense together, I mean, you know, who's to say Carolina can't maybe compete for the division or maybe slide in at wild card number five and six, you know, like Wayne was saying. You know, there's going to be some terrible teams getting the playoffs this year for the NFC, but with the talent, with the talent yeah. on offense, you know, like it it could be scary. Yeah, and I was reading up. There's a lot of talks that the defensive corner is saying they really can't play the Panthers man to man as much as they want to because there's so much speed with with Samuels, Anderson, and Moore. There's so much speed there. They they can't just you know have somebody over the top um, to help in man to man situations. So I think we have a lot of speed in the team. We make sure we capitalize on it and well, get McCaffrey in the field along with Davis. Kind of see what you really have on that team, you know. Because it's based on McCaffrey show the last few years, yeah, yeah. It you know? and it show it it shows. You know, we had Dave, we signed Davis halfway through the year last year, so yeah. maybe they didn't see him as much in practice and stuff. But you know, he's really performed, and, I, and, I, and how about he, he needs Teddy to be on the field to give Robin McCaffrey a break. I mean, Rob Anderson, if you watch, like watch replay, that man gets open easily, and his speed what? is scary, and Teddy loves it. And you know, I like that. I like the combination that they have, and the comfort that they have. And Teddy in Joe Brady's system, it shows. It shows in the first month. Well, sure. All right, as we close out this week, we have uh, our last topic of the night. Uh, we're, we're all going to make our Super Bowl predictions of who we think is going to be in the Super Bowl this year. Um, so I'll start off with Wayne. Seattle you go Seahawks first. versus the Baltimore Ravens. You can call me a homer with the Ravens pick, but I'm really liking Seattle. I'm really liking them. And you know what? I don't think it's going to be two number ones in the Super Bowl. And I think the number one seed is going to be Kansas City. And I think the number one seed is going to be Seattle, which means I'm going to go with the number two seed, the Baltimore Ravens, in the Super Bowl. All right. John? Well, you know, I could see Kansas City losing. I really could. Um, however, I'm still going to have to go with them, Kansas City. What I'm going to do is I'm not going to go the number one out of the NFC. I'm going to go opposite of Wayne, and I'm still going with my Rams. I still think they're going to put it together somehow. Um, you know, you got the magician in Russell Wilson. You got the uh, prima donna in Aaron Rodgers, and uh, somehow – the Rams are going to manage to beat one of those teams in the NFC Championship, and they're going to face Kansas City. That's my pick. Man, imagine another one of those Monday night games against the oh, Chiefs yeah. and the Rams. Yeah. Epic. From a few years ago, that was, that game was magical. Uh, you All know, right, who you got? Who's your Super Bowl picks this year? Because, like, like it's so early, but, you know, we'll, we'll update them as we go. Um, but right now, you cannot you can't count out Russell Wilson in Seattle, and then I'm going to go with the uh, you know the Buffalo Bills. I think uh, I think I think I think Josh Allen takes him there. Wow! Boom! Damn. Boom! Throwing darts at the end. Boom. Pow! 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 Yeah. <laughs> I'm the time. Boom! All right, for me, I'm going to go, as I talked to my bye earlier with the Packers, I'm going to go with Packers versus Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I feel like they uh, they, they play different styles of, of football, but I think they're the best of um, each conference, so that, and that's who I see getting Super Bowl. All right, we, so we got week four finish of the NFL season. 
Uh, it's been a good one. Let's hope that uh, COVID doesn't spread any more than it has so we can have a, a healthy week of football and no more postponements so we can get the season in this year. Um, so hopefully we um, things go good on that front. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us as we 